This is Indian Art History by Mash Podcast. Hello and welcome. You are listening to Indian Art History by MASH Podcast and I am your host Ayushi. Today our travel is bound to the exhibits of the Indus Valley Civilization. In this episode, we will be exploring what the architecture of Indus Valley cities look like and what does it inform us about the class divide in their society as well as at the perception of gender and sex through their terracotta figurines. Before we begin, I'm going to insert here a little disclaimer that a lot that has been explored and stated about the Indus Valley Civilization keeps on getting contested by new scholars every day. This podcast tries to give you an optimum view of what is known so far and I rather dwell on the limited amount of information we know. And please write to us if you think I went wrong anywhere. We always always welcome a healthy discussion. Hope you will enjoy the show. The story begins in the Iranian plateau in the early 3200 BC. A great number of nomadic tribes started evolving and flourishing through the great stroll of time. Agriculture and animal rearing flourished and this group of tribes first expanded to the southwest of the fertile crescent in the area which we now know as Mesopotamia and later these people descended to the southeast across the Baluchistan hills into the Indus valley you can guess that i'm talking about the indus valley civilization but we really can't be sure about the story to be honest it is said to have been at its peak between 2500 to 1900 bc it spread across modern day pakistan afghanistan and western parts of india as well by 1500 bc the civilization was breathing its last breath as the cities declined and got abandoned due to the society's failure to solve the problems related to the changing air water and soil quality but almost everything that we know about the indus valley civilization somewhat lies in the gray area of was it really so because the devil lies in the detail and the detail lies in the indus valley script which lies undeciphered all the evidence is archaeological so the study becomes proto-historical and we more or less try to make sense of the civilization by translating both script and material culture from other civilizations that existed along the same time since there is an absence of any other script from the time in the region a definite translation of indus script is hard to establish there have been connections made between dravidian script and indus script but uncertainty prevails perhaps the indus valley people will always be an enigma to us but fortunately in the past we have had several excavations of the artifacts belonging to the harappan times what people don't know is that there have been similar findings all over india dating back to the indus valley times in 1856 in the desert land approximately 6 miles from modern day ravi river was commissioned to be laid with a railway line by the british colonial forces the workers came across a hill of fire baked bricks the bricks were of such great quality that they were subsequently ripped apart 
to be used to build the railway line. While bricks were being dug out, one of the workmen found an intricately carved stone seal with animals and strange script which none of the locals really understood. Later, post an archaeological intervention, this site was recognized as Harappa in modern-day Pakistan. Many similar seals were found in the same area. Now, in the barren land of dwarfed trees and a few blades of grass, the beautiful images on the seal kind of mirage the vision of pleasurable oases as the carvings on the seals were of people, trees, bulls, antelopes, human figures, basically flora and fauna flourishing in all its glory. More excavation led to a confirmed understanding that Harappa was in fact built on the ruins of an ancient city which was flourishing enough to have built an advanced language of art and of course a script. If you were to visit the city of Harappa, you will find a high citadel, a large bath or a water reservoir of sorts and a granary. A year later, Mohenjo-daro revealed many more buried secrets of Indus Valley, quite literally. Twenty years later, the excavations at Lothal, the Indus Valley port city in Gujarat, revealed a similar planned layout with a well-built drainage system. Uh, similar seals, pottery, beads and weights have been found all over. Now, Dhola Veera is one such site. It has a signboard where we first see the usage of the symbol Chakra or the wheel, which dates much prior to its first occurrence in Hindu and Buddhist symbology and iconography. Uh, some other important urban centers of Indus Valley civilization are Chanhodaro, Ropad, Kalibangan, and many, many more. Mohenjodaro in Sindh means the mound of dead, and Lothal in Gujarat can be roughly translated to a mound of dead as well. Perhaps these names go back to the times when the decline of Indus people was still fresh in the memories of the locals. So the archaeologists, once in a while, keep on claiming that they have found yet another city from the times of Indus Valley. Now my question is, how do we recognize an Indus Valley city? What are the features that make it distinct to be called as, you know, a Harappan city? Among all the sites excavated so far, there have been a high degree of understanding of uniformity in the lifestyle of Indus Valley people. The basic features that separates the identity of an Indus Valley city is a large grid, planned city with complex fortress, podiums, granaries, um, specific burial patterns and highly sophisticated drainage and water management system. All these structures can be linked through the bricks used because all of them are made of fire-baked bricks of standardized size of 1 is to 2 is to 4. A few objects that we will find without fail in an Indus city are the characteristic seals with Indus script and very prominent stylistic figures. Beads and jewellery, of course. They used standardised weights as well, which have survived till date. Black and red painted pottery, which is very stylistic and very futuristic as well. Then there are remains of copper and bronze statues and most importantly, their terracotta toys and statuettes. Among these, there is also a striking uniformity in the figurative designs of animals and human figures which set the art of Indus Valley apart and make it recognizable. 
these cities mostly grew wheat cotton and barley cotton agriculture means that they were familiar with the practice of garment making as well indus valley was not built in a day but in fact spans a history of at least 1700 years the first settlements appeared in the 7000 bc these were pre urban and farming societies only by 3200 bc kadappa pops up by 2600 bc we see mohenjodaro and many other urban centers emerging all over present day india and pakistan there were rural centers near urban centers the the urban centers also had recognizable slum dwellings which means that the society was divided into urban elite poor and rural life almost all these cities were built near the river perhaps the river was a basic mode of communication it made their understanding of the land route better and of course water was essential for agriculture and basic human survival by 2500 bc the indus valley civilization was at its peak of cultural commercial and technological sophistication the study of indus valley civilization is mired with doubt and mystery the excavations tell us of myriad material culture but because the civilization was urban with proper sanitization perhaps a certain understanding of the indus valley culture can be hypothesized however since the indus script stands as a mystery it also becomes very difficult to arrive at a point of surety of the actual function and philosophy of several artifacts we can link them to the religious thoughts and development of the civilization but this understanding can only be based on visual cues the whole story of the indus valley civilization is based on the study of artifacts which have been excavated by archaeologists at many sites of present day india and pakistan we treat these artifacts as art objects they form the base of studying the history of their culture and events it tells us what they believed in whether they were a people of of a certain religion or religions of their gender and sex it tells us of their trade and economy it tells us of their artistic choices and lifestyle these artifacts and sites sufficiently pack us in a time machine and in short glimpses show us what the indus valley civilization must have looked like it is important to keep your imaginations handy through visualization we perceive transcendence exposing us to the finer details even though separated by time you can weave your imagination along the warps and depths of factual scientific and most importantly cultural data as a kid the indus valley chapter in my history textbooks just kept on going on and on and won't shut up about their drainage system of course the drainage system of the urban indus cities this classified the civilization as an urban elite and a sophisticated society which gave so many colonized indians a thought luxury of inheriting a rich prosperous and civilized past contrary to the claims of their colonizers who brandished them as barbaric but what are the features that make it a sophisticated system of drainage so i did some research every house had its own well to store water each house had its own private bathroom sometimes one on each floor a feature that many houses of rural and modern india still lack each bathroom was connected through vertical drains which 
channeled all water into the underground street drains and these drains used to be covered with stone slabs public and private dustbins collected waste from the chutes built inside the walls from each floor of the house this points to the fact that the people were in fact much concerned about the cleanliness of the community at large which brings us to the great bath which is a large water reservoir it was perhaps used for religious and ceremonial reasons with a simple plan of open veranda on four sides of the pool surrounded by galleries chambers and changing rooms this water tight tank could also have recreational importance if you were to take a look at the restored sites of indus valley you would be amazed at the plain surfaces straight lines and edges everything is so uniform that it would haunt you whenever you step inside a modern working indian city again it appears that cleanliness could have held high morals among the elite there was a sense of class divide in the society because the excavations reveal slum dwellings as well with very cramped construction the excavations tell us that in the later stages of civilization the slums gathered more and more on the outskirts of the cities buildings started encroaching upon the roads with kilns built everywhere perhaps the cities stopped being livable after a point and stopped providing for and shielding against the forces of nature the bronze figure of the dancing girl found in mohenjodaro displays features of broad nose and lips people often link her to african indian origins she is 10.8 cm high cast in bronze uh, built using the lost wax technique she is thin perhaps only a teenager stands upright she is naked apart from the many bangles that uh, adorn both her hands she also wears a necklace with three petals she has her right arm placed on her hips her left arm stretched on her left leg which is bent by the knee the thumb and forefinger of her left hand form a hollow circle teller of the fact that perhaps it used to hold something it is hard to attribute whether the girl was actually a dancer the female representation must have been very important as female forms have been found in many other mediums terracotta as a medium was fairly popular terracotta sculpted toys and votive animals were there but female and male figurines were extensively made they suggest about the perceived identity of sex and gender during the times the identifiers of male and female figurines show a range of diverse representations the sex of the figurine is mostly identified by her genitalia most of the female figurines have conical breasts without distinct nipples wide hips and flat abdomen breasts and hips are mostly proportional to the waist making them look youthful and curvaceous you know almost an hourglass figure now female genitalia is rarely shown except in a few in most of the terracotta figurines female genitalia is covered with a mini skirt tightened with a girdle or a belt they are loaded with jewelry and wear elaborate headdresses that fan out around their heads but somehow male figurines show genitalia with round and flattened applied nipples these form the primary sex characteristics secondary male characteristics such as 
beards also form a distinguishing feature. Indus Valley art of terracotta male figurines display applied scrotum, but none of them are ethyphallic, that is, an erect penis. Male figurines also wear necklaces. Some figurines have no apparent male and female attributes, while some have both. One of the figurines appears with a beard, breasts, and a headdress. Uh, this can suggest the identity of hermaphrodites revered enough by the society to be made into a considerable number of figurines. Sex and gender were important to depict. In general, body imagery can talk a lot about the societal norms. Indus Valley people represented bodies of different genders by attributing specific characteristics to them. It is possible that there was a heightened sense of openness to male sexuality as most of the male figurines appear nude. Similarly, we can say that the fertility and the female sexuality was rather controlled as we see the female genitalia mostly covered. Perhaps the presence and absence of sex also depended on the social status and occupation the genders held. But female figurines significantly outnumber their male counterparts. A certain figurine in the collection of National Museum in Delhi of approximately 23 by 8.5 centimeters is recognized as the mother goddess by many historians. To explore this thought, let us start with creating the image of the supposed mother goddess. She is a slender figure with flat abdomen. Her waist curves proportionally setting the breasts and hips in an hourglass figure. Her breasts are round and protrude outwards. Her genitalia is covered with a short skirt girdled with a belt. Her arms fall straight and stiff along her waist. Her hands, palms, fingers are not very detailed. Similarly, her legs, slightly tapering, fall curveless on the ground. The feet are absent. Perhaps one of the most striking features are her ornaments. She wears two necklaces. One falls in between her two breasts and the other sticks to her neck like a modern-day choker, with four pendants almost equidistant from each other. She is also wearing earrings that are big blobs of clay molded in a trapeze and they stick to the sides of her face. Her eyes are flat and round obliques. It reminded me of how I used to mold a face out of clay as a child. She has a slight pinch in the middle of her face that gives an impression of a triangular nose. Her lips are two rolls of clay applied one over the other and her chin rests like a conical hemisphere. The most poignant is her fan-like headdress with two cup panniers on either side. There are many such discoveries in the Indus Valley region with wedding elements. There's a figurine of a pregnant lady that suggests the creator. There is a figurine of a mother nurturing a child in her hands that suggests the preserver. And there is an upside down nude female figurine with a plant sprouting out of her belly that suggests the destroyer. Later on in time, the creator, the preserver and the destroyer become the founding grounds and trinity of Hinduism. Because many such figurines have smoke stains on them, it is possible that they were worshipped at homes as cult objects. The cups in the headdress wear marks of soot. These panniers were probably used to light oil lamps or incense pellets uh, to please the goddess. 
these images also appears with trees and animals on the seals as well which we will be covering in the next episode in detail some mother goddesses also appear with the features of animals as well most of the proto mother goddesses around the world appear in red color and so does the mother goddess of indus red color is a fertility symbol of menstrual blood also of the renewal and manifestation of life the cyclical period of menstruation ensues life affirming power shakti is clad in red all brides bear symbols in red color perhaps this marks a fact that the indus valley people too considered red as a powerful symbol of life and continuity probably the nature goddess or the mother goddess were votive offerings or cult images for household shrines the terracotta figurines are few of the many artifacts found at the many sites of indus valley civilization we will be plunging a little deeper into the world of the indus valley civilization in our next episode where we will explore the statues we will also be talking about the seals and what all the seals represented and was represented on the seals thank you so much for listening